This is The Playbook. Dave Meltzer here with Entrepreneurs The Playbook in the lobby of The Win at the Blue Wire Studios here at The Win. And ironically enough, guess who I have in the studio? Blake <laughs> Wynn. And Blake Wynn is the CEO of Enclave and Key. He's an extraordinary entrepreneur that started by the time his diapers came off, he was already figuring out how to make money, help people, and have fun. Welcome to The Playbook, Blake. I appreciate it, man. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so cool because... You and I share one thing, although we came from different backgrounds, right? I had a single mom, six kids in Akron, Ohio, and you're a win. Uh, so <laughs> those backgrounds are a little different. But as much as we come from two different sides of the track and two different opportunities and options, we were born with something inside of us that said, I have to make money. I got to figure out business. I love this stuff more than I love anything. And besides our Chargers, because we're both Charger fans. What do you think it is, genetics or environment that gave you such an early passion to build business and make money? You know, you know, it's interesting. I, I think our backgrounds are more similar than you think. You know, my my parents got divorced when I was nine years old, and Steve is my dad's older brother, and uh, I was actually raised pretty much completely by my mom after the divorce happened. Oh wow! And she didn't get left with much, and so quite. So you got the worst of both worlds. You. People think you're super rich, but you grew up poor. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say poor. I think it's a little too far okay, I I mean, grew up poor. To, to be respectful. But no, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I literally grew up, the house I lived in was 15,000 square feet, and it was 1717 Enclave Court, which kind of obviously spit out the name that we have now. And when my parents got divorced, we ended up living in the Red Rock Hotel in a hotel room for a year while my mom and I figured out what to do. She wow. was a doctor of pharmacy by trade, but she you know, became a stay-at-home mom when I was born. And so what was really interesting that happened is we're moving out of the house and she finds a set of DVDs, which probably were pretty antiquated, to be honest with you, but um, it taught her how to options trade. My mom is the brightest person I know. I think that's another thing we have in common. My mom and I are beyond best friends. Yeah, there's, awesome. there's no bigger rock in my world than my mom. Um, and she learned how to options trade. And I, by happenstance, resold sneakers because I walked into a store. I saw this pair of shoes. It was today only $19.99 suggested retail $200. I said, I bet I could put this on dad's eBay account. That's how I looked at it. Cause I used to, you know, see him list guitars and different things. And I said, I bet I could get more money on eBay for this than the store is selling it for. So I spent the 20 bucks I had, got the shoe, sold it for $110 the next day and been an entrepreneur and, and hustler ever since, just because it came from a place of, I want to go back to that. I want to go back to having a house like Enclave, but more importantly, as I've gotten older, now it's more about, similar to you, how do you really drive impact? How do you put just something as simple as a smile on someone's face? And, uh, you know, she's taught me so much about that. It's, it's, it's really, it's quite interesting how, how similar we really are. That's awesome. And yeah, I just uh, left my mom who was staying with me uh, here, you know, almost 80 years old. So wow. uh, you'll only appreciate your mom more as you get older and older. And I was like you and I was in my early 20s. All I wanted to do was buy my mom a house and a car and was able to do that at 24, right out of law school. Unbelievable. Still, I think, one of the, the greatest accomplishments of everything that I've uh, done. But moreover, um, you know, there is a lot going on today in content. And content before was only for really sports marketing people or entertainment marketers, agents, basically. Right. And now... I find myself, you know, as much as I was successful in the agency business, utilizing what I learned to put content out to build not only my brand, but people that nobody would have ever thought could build a brand like you and I. 
and you've picked up on this at a very early age as well. Where do you see this content business of yours going from what seems to be, I think, a infancy stage of business that people can't realize how big this business is really going to get? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, so I'll put it this way. So we've been in business five years now, and we're a pretty traditional marketing agency that obviously kind of favors sports and athletics, right? But I think what's been interesting is in all my travels, we, you know, we work with over 600 NFL guys. We work with 35% of the league. And so for us, I travel and I meet these guys and I have these conversations. And I think to myself, if there was a fly on the wall that could hear the conversations that I am for some reason privy to, they wouldn't, they wouldn't believe what they heard. Whether it's Os Neckler talking about his business acumen all the way to a guy like Isaac Rochelle talking about how TikTok is going to change his life, right? And it's so fast. You're picking all my favorite players, by the way, and friends of mine. So I love a- a plus it. research. I love it. And so, you know, I mean, even so I'll tell you. So I, I got started in football because the first game I ever saw was David Tyree make the helmet catch. And from that moment on, I thought that football players were superheroes. So my thinking was, how do I? So, so fast forward 10 years, I meet David and I sit him down. He says, well, what do you want to meet about? I DM'd him. Hey, we have lunch with me when I'm in New York. I said, Tell me your version of the story of how you made the catch. So that's what you brought me here for. So that's what I brought you here for. Like, I'll buy you the nicest lunch you want, but just tell me the story from your words. I want to understand it. And he tells me his great story. I think to myself, I said, David, if the world knew what just came out of your mouth to me, you would be an A-list celebrity right now. Everyone knows your name because everyone knows that play, but you haven't made the content that shows them that. What if I could help you do that? And so that's kind of been our approach is like really having these guys utilize their platform in a way where they're not really utilizing it or they make one piece of content, but they don't stay consistent with it. A lot of guys do that where it's like, I'm going to do it. They do one video, it doesn't go viral. All right, I'm going to go back to just playing football, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for us is sharing those stories. So we just started an outlet on TikTok called Enclave Stories and we tell stories every day from different folks that you just wouldn't hear other places. And I think that's the biggest thing with content now is it's so noisy. You got to be making content that other people aren't hearing and other people, frankly, don't have the ability to create. You're not going to stand out. You know, I mean, and, and I think that's what you've done so well in, in your career. I mean, you make content no one really is making. <laughs> well, I'm lucky to be one of the more experienced people that can share stories like the one that David shared. In fact, ironically, David sat in that chair and uh, to show you the wisdom that you have an understanding of content, when you told me you asked that question, right, my heart c- coming from what resonates with me, you just like notched up even higher in my book of expertise because <laughs> I pride myself on, you know, asking questions that not only am I curious about, but nobody else would have asked. In fact, Ben Baller, who you know as well, yeah. Ben, you know, gave me one of the greatest compliments because he probably three times in our interview said, I can't believe it, but Dave, man, nobody's ever asked me that. And you know you're on your game by the questions that you ask that nobody else has ever, you know, asked before that everyone wants to know. And that's when I'm looking at Enclave and I'm looking at what you're doing. You have a keen sense and emotional intelligence to ask things that other people have never asked before, but yet everybody wishes they knew um, to do that. Now, the access, though, is easy for me because I've been in the business a long time, right? And which is why some of my friends are sure. your favorite friends. But how did you get such great access at such a young age? Uh, because 35% of the NFL is an incredible uh, stable of, of talent and stories. I, I tell you what, I think the, the part of my story that's, 
I call it created luck. You know, I mean, I, I was very fortunate that I started this YouTube channel when I was 16 years old, I ended up with over a million followers on social talking about sneakers online. And as a diehard football fan, 20, summer 2018 rolls around, I'm going to college. My mom says, all right, get your shoes out of the house before you go to school. And I had 4,000 pairs at the time. Yes. So, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like, a, okay, I'll put them in the closet. It was like I had rooms with racks going up to the ceiling and trying to get rid of it in the next 30 days. And so I sold a little bit of it. It was, it was honestly, it was too much work to sell it. I was, I was like, if I'm going to sell it, I'd rather just give it away and make cooler friends. And so I logged a couple of my buddies in my Instagram. I said, DM every single active NFL player, ask them what size they are. And if they want some shoes, I'll send them shoes. And I'm sure a lot of players thought it was a scam, but sure enough, a good chunk replied. And sure enough, they got some shoes and it just turned into like, hey, you know, can you get me some shoes? Can you get me the brand deals you have? You know, I was the face of StockX from the day it was created till the end of 2018. And so <laughs> I had these different opportunities where, yeah, I can do this for you. Yeah, I can do this for you. And so my best friend at the time, uh, who's still one of my best friends this day is, was a then Chargers linebacker, Hayes Pillard, who you may know. Yeah. Um, and he and I co-founded Enclave and Key from a place of he had just gotten cut by the Cardinals. I had just gotten to Fordham University. I hated Fordham. He hated being cut from the NFL. And we both wanted to change our current set of circumstances in that moment. And five years later, we're business partners and best of friends. And, and that's, that's where Enclave comes from. It comes from by influencers, by athletes for the benefit of the future influencer and athlete as well. Man, it's an incredible uh, understanding that you have. And there's so many areas in my life where uh, I've utilized the same philosophy, where the obvious thing to do would be to sell those shoes uh, immediately. You could think so deep into to what you're doing. Um, question that nobody's ever asked you before. I got 10 pairs of Yeezys. What am I supposed to do with them? It's so funny you ask that because I actually just asked myself that question the other night. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, t it's tough for me. You know, it's, it's tough it, it, because it's one of those things where I do like the shoe. You know, I'm not going right. to lie. It's a comfortable it's shoe. Comfortable it's a good-looking shoe. shoe. I'm also Jewish. I also don't really like the stuff he said. And, you know, and so for me, you know, no one really is dying to buy it either. And I also don't really want to publicly sell it. I don't need the two grand that I'd get for selling a few pairs of Yeezys, you know. So it's interesting. I mean, I think here's the better question, right? Is what do you do if you grew up feeling a certain way about a guy and something happens and where do you go from there? Like Deshaun Watson, like some of these others, it's like you just have to make that decision, you know, for yourself. And I think I think what's so interesting now, and it goes back to content, is everyone sees something and some people follow what they see. Some people design the, their own way of handling that. And I and I think way more people need to start just deciding for themselves how they want to go about things. And I do think that's the flaw with content as well, which is why I, le I like the idea of leaning into stories as opposed to leaning into me saying, hey, you know, Eckler, for example, give people advice on how to run through someone. I don't want to, I don't want, because, because what works for Austin won't work for the next guy. Right. You know, it hasn't. That's why there's not a lot of Austin. Luckily, Eckler's it worked last night. Luckily, it worked last night, <laughs> you know, but. Um, and I'm re referring to the Dolphin game, so I know there'll be a couple weeks till this airs, but. I'm referring to the incredible game that Austin. Oh, it was beautiful. It doesn't make any sense how we can beat their beat, beat them and we lose to bad bad teams. Jaguars by 28. <laughs> <laughs> right. We beat Miami like it's nothing. <laughs> Anyhow, it it's so interesting um, to think about business in the context that you do, though, that you're building a community of people and then figuring out how to tell the stories and teach the lessons that are applicable to many. And yet today, that our lives are so good that. A lot of people give their intention and their attention 
to canceling people because of a mistake. Yeah. And it's usually the people that are making mistakes themselves that are the hardest. And one of the hardest things that I had to do as a sports agent is many of my athletes made mistakes, including business partners of mine. In fact, Lee Steinberg himself is a recovering alcoholic. Wow. And you know what comes with that recovery sure, yeah. is a lot of public mistakes. Uh, as Drew Bledsoe at his wedding or a variety of public stories that are out there. Wow. How do you think because your generation, your age group is probably most prevalent of canceling people for one mistake. Yeah. And look, I remember when I was 22, thank God there's no cell phones. And <laughs> I would have been canceled right. 15 million times. In fact, I still say things that need to be unlearned. Uh, that Thank goodness, I'm not cancelable, but I'm sure people are like, how ignorant is Dave Meltzer for saying, you know, that 54-year-old white man uh, talk? Because uh, I'm unlearning it. Yeah. What advice do you give to people uh, when they are canceled? Because you deal with a lot of athletes and they make mistakes and there's this pressure, you know, for far less than what you know, Kanye did. Uh, what, what advice do you give them to, for that crisis management today? I, I do think crisis management, management has a lot to do with understanding your burden of responsibility to genuinely make things right, right? Like I think what you see right now, and this is just my opinion, but... Kyrie Irving doesn't seem like he's doing enough, right? Like if you're watching this, you're like, why is he not doing enough? I remember specifically because I was mildly involved in the situation uh, when Deshaun Jackson did something that was a little bit anti-Semitic. Yeah. Deshaun Jackson's running around catching passes for the Ravens at 38. He's doing just fine because he, he said, you know what? I know what I did was wrong. How do I genuinely learn about this and fix it? He reached out to Julie Adelman. They did this great live, I don't know if it was a live stream or exactly what they did, but... Deshaun Jackson got the, okay, your, your apology's been accepted card, if you will, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that needs to be the goal is, or if, if you genuinely want to make things right, you need to figure out how to get yourself the, your apology's been accepted card. Otherwise, I would kind of make yourself disappear. I mean, you, you really only have one or two options in, in 2022, and, and, it's, and it's unfortunate. I can't say that I agree with that being the reality of our world, but it is, and, this, and, and it's m dramatically... Uh, emphasize when it comes to people who create content. And I think that apology has been accepted card only comes from not only you articulating the apology, but explaining what you've learned. And that's I think the key. That's the key. Yeah. And a lot of these people, I'm not going to name names because I know too many, they don't take that se second step or they're not learning it and they're just talking off the top of their head and that does not resonate with people. In fact, I think it incites more people and aggravates and agitates more people which then makes more people want them to be gone uh instead I, I will say i think part of the psychology that i don't think most people really understand about these athletes is these are not tiktokers these are not 19 year olds who woke up one day and said i want to be famous they're really good at their sport a lot of these guys truthfully don't care about being celebrities and, and don't want the microscope on them so they do and say and act how they feel and whether or not you agree with it is of no relevance to them and they do what they do and they don't want to apologize for it because that's how I feel. And so that is honestly the other thing that I would say is, look, if you don't really think that what you did is wrong, stand by it and you'll end up with a whole new fan base potentially that agrees with what you said and, and you'll end up with some people that you kind of polarized. But, um, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad approach. I, I, I think there's too much burden to conform as opposed to stay true to yourself. And there's certain guys who have literally come to me with conflicts and I'm like, well, how do you feel about it? And they'll tell me how they feel about it. And I'm like, 
well, you maybe can't say exactly what you just said to me, but you shouldn't go apologize for this because you are going to go do it again because you just told me how you feel about what you just right. did. <laughs> you know, a guy drinks too much, a guy does something stupid, yeah. or it's not the end of the world. You know, he didn't, he didn't hurt anybody. He just, you know, didn't represent himself to the youth like he should have. And what does that mean to a guy that doesn't want to be a celebrity? Maybe not anything, right? Yeah. In fact, I always laugh because one of the biggest celebrity leg- legacy celebrities in the NBA is Charles Barkley. And he's well known when I was your age for saying I'm not a role model. Yeah. Right. It pissed off everyone. That, yeah. You know, what do you mean you're not a role model? And that comes in. No, dealing in the content phase of what it is, there's varying degrees, like you said, of uh, engagement. So it could be someone that just has, you know, one story to tell and being able to use that with Enclave and Keeve or he or there's like a David Tyree that you've inspired him, as I know, believe it or not, to build a digital brand he's out there yeah. hitting the shows and uh you know telling different stories and many inspiring faith-based stories to help people and using it as a platform uh to what degree are you helping people at enclave from the person who just wants to tell their story to someone like austin that's going to probably have one of the biggest entrepreneurial brands when he's done playing yeah i mean really more than anything going back to the point you made it just changes the questions i ask you know i was on the phone the other day with derwin gray he just got cut from the Titans. He's a tackle. He's been in the league three, four years. He'll, I'm sure he'll play somewhere else shortly. Uh, and, I, and he says, I want to start doing content. How do, how do I get involved in this? I said, Derwin, I'm going to start screen recording this FaceTime call. I'm going to mic myself up, and we're going to have a chat. And I bet you I send you three or four clips from this chat that will go viral if they were to be posted by you. He goes, well, I don't have any story. I said, Derwin, let me just ask you a few questions. Just answer them honestly. And if you don't want me to post it afterwards, I won't. Said you were on the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2019 or 20 when Urban Meyer was head coach. What was that like? He says, well, he says, if I'm talking to you, and he didn't describe it so nicely, and we're going to post a piece of content so I don't feel bad yeah. saying it. He says it was, it was a toxic disaster is how you put it. I said, Derwin, there you go. I said, well, now let's see if you don't want an actual soundbite. I said, tell me about the first time you bet, met Ben Roethlisberger. He says, you know what? I do have a funny story. He tells me this great story of how in the beginning of practice, they have this thing called seven shots in Pittsburgh, where before you warm up, before you really do anything, you do seven plays inside the red zone. The goal is to score in at least four of them. He says, first play of seven shots, my first practice. I had never met Ben yet. Ramon Foster was out that day, so they said, 77, get in here. So they get in there, and the first time meeting Ben, we're in the huddle, and he's calling the play. He says, I grew up a Steelers fan. He says, I couldn't listen to what the play was. I was so into Ben. <laughs> he says, so I go to the line, and I'm asking, what, what's the play, what's the play? No one will repeat it to me because I'm a rookie. Oh, shoot. He says, well, I'm going to guess to slide left. Sure enough, I should have slid right. Ben got sacked before uh, he finished his five-step drop. And next thing you know, Ben looks at me, and he clearly wants to cuss me out, but he doesn't even know my name. So he calls me an effing rookie, and he takes the ball, and he punts it in the river right next to the practice facility. It's like, Derwin, you start a page based on this story. You're already exciting. I mean, I'm regurgitating the story to you, and I can tell you're into it because it's, it's great stories. Great stories. Everyone has stories inside them, but people that aren't natural storytellers, like, which honestly I think goes hand-in-hand hand with entrepreneurship, they just need that prompt, nothing more. So a lot of times it's prompting. You know, it's like, it's like when I sat down with Dave, I said, just, just tell me a story then. Tell me a story in your words. If you answer me in one word, then I'm going to keep prying, but let, let's, go, let's start there, right? And so I think the biggest thing, um, for us, when it comes to making content, the biggest thing I, I kind of tell the guys, I said, do it with someone that you feel comfortable with. You don't have to put them on the camera, but don't tell a story to the back camera on your iPhone. Tell a story to your girlfriend who's sitting behind the phone. So make, make your life so much easier. 
You know what I mean? We'll have our editors take it over. We can, you know, we can support you and be a nice support system for you. But if this is what you want to do, that's all it takes. And it really isn't that complicated. You know, what's so interesting is that you represent to me my favorite lesson that I usually end every interview with, uh, live especially every day, right? You are someone who truly is more interested than interesting. And I appreciate that interest, and I look forward to doing more content with you. I appreciate and want to do more business with you. I know I've just found out we we're on the same board of a successful exit together, which yeah. is not surprising that the universe is coinciding uh, a young David Meltzer here at the Win. I'm so honored to have Blake Wynn here in the lobby of the Win at the Blue Wire Studios. Blake Wynn here with David Meltzer and Entrepreneurs, the Playbook.